you don't you don't have time to analyze every little decision. It might be the wrong decision, but at least you're moving. Make a decision. Make a decision quick. You're going to learn faster. Um, you're going to learn. You know, if you went the wrong direction, just just keep moving. Trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot. We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting edge voices in every industry. This is the Ironclad Podcast. All right, everybody, we've got an incredible interview today. It's our friends from the Roadster Shop. Roadster Shop is located in Chicago, Illinois. They are legendary craftsmen who are creating hot rods, muscle cars. So these guys started from scratch, two brothers. Now they got 70 employees. They're doing cars for people all over the world. People like Joe Rogan and Chip Foose. These guys are legit. You want to listen to their advice about business, leadership, and everything in between. Ladies and gentlemen, the boys from the Roadster Shop. We've been watching what are the what are the best in the world doing? How are they doing it? How are they can uh, kind of conforming to the, the status quo? You know, Dana. Thank God for guys like Dana White and Elon Musk and those guys pushing the limits. Yep, setting yeah, the bar. Stand up and just say we're going to get back to work. Yeah, and and you know, the, I, you guys, uh, you know, we've talked a lot in in past projects, but we this is the first time on the podcast. There's not as much of a uh, uh, agenda for a marketing piece with this, and really with this podcast, we talk to high performers in so many different crafts, and we work with so many guys that that achieve so many things. So we always want to bring that to our listeners, some of that mindset, some of that overcome spirit, um, and just the things that get you to that next level. And, um, you know, you guys have been able to really just define uh, high performance in so many different levels. And part of that is being able to overcome obstacles, right? And the last time we talked was everything that's going on with this. You guys got shut down a couple times, right? Yeah, yeah, twice. We got shut yeah. down exactly a couple times. Yeah. So what we, do you, you know, the, the one of the biggest takeaways the last time I was there was your guys fight for those positions, right? Those aren't just guys that need work. These are guys that have fought to become a team member at the Roadster Shop. How do you handle that when you get a request from something that's outside of your control where, man, now I got to tell my guys to go home? And I'm not getting to do what I love doing and providing for all these team members. How do you how do you handle that as a leader? Very difficult to handle. I mean, it was it's difficult to deal with, with the guys because it wasn't uh, you know it wasn't like schools out you know like where the teacher says schools closed and the kids go crazy and everybody's cheering and they sprint out the door. You know we had to hold a, a meeting in the shop and relay to everybody. You know it was like telling them somebody died it's, it's terrible news and telling them everybody's got to go home and the shop's going to be shut down and you could just see the look on everybody's face that it wasn't like oh yeah the shop's closed it was man we've got work to do we've got chassis to get done we've got cars to build it's going to mess up our SEMA schedule so you've got a lot of dedicated guys that want to do the job that just simply couldn't at that point so and a lot of guys Offering to take parts home and work in their own garage, bring a welder home. Guys come in on the side. Guys can do projects at their buddy's shop if they can get them uh, taken out of here. So they wanted to keep working and wanted to keep building this stuff, even though we weren't technically allowed to. Yeah. yeah. yeah the response was like, like, Phil, so we had so many guys that were like, dude, like, 
Monday, we'll park the cars inside. We'll park around back. We'll come in. We're like, you yeah, know, we, we're like, we've, we've kind of got to follow these, these rules, but it was, it was kind of refreshing to have that mindset and that the morale was still up and guys, it's just want to do the job. So it just yeah, it reminds you of their passion. It's, it's more so more than a paycheck. You know, if they're willing to do all of that on the side on extra, you know, it's, it's refreshing. How does that get instilled? Right. Like how do you, you know, sometimes I know when at least for me, when I'm in the thick of it, right. Like I'm always, I've kind of got my head down and, and, and investing in the team is a big thing for me, but you don't necessarily it's sometimes when these big obstacles come up where you're like, damn, I do have an insane team. What a team. Right. And, and for you guys who have been driven by passion and started young, was that just a natural progression as leaders that, that this started getting instilled in these guys and you started recruiting the right people? How did that evolve? I think it's a passion for everybody. And if you're able to work in the, the field that is your passion, like they always say it's not work. You kind of laugh it off, but it's kind of true. Um, you know, we were talking the other day, like if we were building typewriters or desk mats, there's no way we would be able to take the company to where it's gone because we would just have no interest, no passion, no involvement, no want to push it further. And I think most of the guys that we have here kind of come from the same mindset that this is what they live when they're not in the shop working. They're at home dreaming of something. They're on the internet. They're on Instagram. They're looking at cars. They know what everybody else in the industry is doing. They know what's cool, what's not cool. They're following, you know, modern exotic cars. It's, you know, it's a lifestyle. And I think we've been extremely lucky to get to the level where we can kind of have the work in this shop where people from all over the country are willing to relocate, come here to pursue their passion. And, you know, they recognize that we're building just the utmost in quality and trying to put out the best product. And that's what they want to be a part of. I think it's cool. Cause I, I, even for me, the I knew the brand, I knew the product. I, I, I followed you guys on social media, but I didn't know the backstory until we went to lunch that time. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how you got started and did you see it coming to where it's at today? Uh, well, the short answer to that, yeah, part of your question is absolutely not. I, I never had any idea that it would be where it was today. Uh, you know, I always pictured myself as like, well, shit, I'm going to be like 50, 60 years old and still like bending metal and, you know, building hot rods. I, I just, I work towards it. Me and Phil work towards it now with Josh. We all work towards it, but we never thought it would be where it is today. But I guess to go uh, take it from the top, kind of how it all started, uh, Phil, you know, my brother, Phil, and myself, we grew up in a family business that was uh, auto body, auto collision. Um, both of us at an early, early age, I mean, you know, just like my kids, we tag along with my dad, go to the shop every day. And it's just something that you, you know, you can vividly remember the paint fumes as a kid, which, you know, that's probably maybe not like the greatest thing, but it's, you, know, you, you still remember that to this day, but that probably by, you know, 13, 14 years old, both of us were regularly working in the body shop. Uh, so, you know, with that comes the hobby. My dad was a gearhead. We grew up, you know, to be you know, basically molded into mini gearheads. And if, you know, you're not, fixing bumper covers and doing body work during the day. Then we were messing around in the garage at home doing like actual cool stuff. So as we both got older, got into muscle cars, we both restored some muscle cars at home. Um, 
and then, you know, as high school came to an end, everybody had to kind of figure out what the hell they're going to do with their lives. So natural progression was kind of going to college. Um, Phil went off to pursue a business degree and I went off to, uh, you know, keep my hands dirty. And I went to like a kind of a technical college that had an auto body, auto body management program. And I lasted there about like uh, one semester and I finished like the entire year's curriculum in the first month of the semester. Not saying that I'm that good. It just yeah. sucked yeah. that bad. You know, so it, was, it was like super entry level, super basic. And then shortly thereafter, I'm like thinking to myself, like, man, I don't really want to spend the rest of my life like just hanging bumper covers and knocking out quarter panels on cars that people really don't give a shit about. So me and my dad were tinkering with hot rods. I actually got a job working for what was the roadster shop at that time. Old man ran it. There were two other employees, super low key. And uh, I worked there for about two years and he passed away. And that's when Phil and my dad came in and together we took over, you know, the kind of little mom and pa hot rod shop. And I guess, you know, there's a lot of stuff in between then and now, but fast forward and, and here we are. We just worked our asses off and grew it like crazy. So now we're up from you know two employees when we started to close to 70 employees now. We're in about 8,000 square feet, and now we're just shy of 50,000 square feet. That's crazy, man. I didn't even realize that. What You know, when you're driven by passion and, and your passion drives your quality, your work ethic, um, your, your leadership, sometimes you have to learn some hard lessons because – you're learning the business growth. You're learning the the leadership skills, the the running of a team. Can you guys talk about some of those lessons that you've had to learn the hard way and how they've made you better? There's a whole lot of them. <laughs> yeah. uh, how, how long are we going to be on this podcast? What, what are what are a couple that that really that that affected you the most? Because think about this: like people that are listening to this are are entrepreneurs, they're uh, craftsmen, they're um, creatives, and and th- these are the things that we want to bring to light. The people that we work with have done so many incredible things, right? And, and yeah. you guys do those, but people see your Instagram, right? And, and that's what they, I, I want to bring to life. Some of those things that uh, you guys have learned through blood, sweat and tears. I've, I mean, I've got some great examples. And when you say Instagram, I mean, that's a good example in itself. Uh, you know, Instagram is a great model for this like amazing fabrication and these like really like, bitching, you know, custom floors and custom this and custom that. And it almost kind of creates this, like, it's almost like this fake lifestyle of these things that can be achieved and like operate a successful business. When you see something, you're like, Oh, that's bitching. Like we should do that and charge this customer for it. Cause he's going to really dig that. Well, that's not what that customer wants. So one of the like very valuable lessons that I, I think I learned and we all learned is that you've got to draw that line in your like passion and creativity from just making something to make it like so wild and over the top to please your, like, let's say your fan base or, you know, fellow Instagrammers versus delivering the customer, what the customer wants. I mean, we're sure we're building like art, I'd say, but it's stuff that people are driving and their, their vehicles and their toys that people want. And you have to be able to like separate the passion and place of value and a time frame on what you're building. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's one of my, my key lessons. 
Phil's probably got quite a few. I'm sure Josh has some, so fire away, guys. Well, let me touch on what Jeremy said. You, you, it's a fine line. You're not sacrificing quality. You've got to understand that what that customer wants um, and, and give him what he's expecting versus just saying, I'm going to show off. I'm going to make something cool. It doesn't mean what you're building is any, any less than or it's, you know, it's less quality. I mean, a gun manufacturers or any, any manufacturer has to look at the same thing. They could build, you know, a gun that was, you know, $65,000 that had all of the individual, you know, hand filed parts, but for the masses, the, you know, the, the you know, end user can't afford that. Um, so finding that balance between what every customer wants and what most of the customers can afford. Yeah, no, that's good, man. And then I know on our end, it's, uh, balancing that passion falling in love with a piece yet collaborating with someone else is that a challenge for you guys ever or have you found that balance um it's a lot of personality battles i guess on the customers you get a lot of guys that come to us and they'll have some pretty loose parameters i want a blue camaro and let you guys run with it i've seen everything you've done i love everything you've done um i want your spin on this car and go um, those are usually the ones that end up with kind of our, you know, our halo cars basically that are getting all of the publicity and hype. And then you got a lot of guys that will come in with a very, very specific direction on what they want. And they're picking every nut and bolt and part and piece that can be definitely frustrating. Um, end of the day, they're the ones paying the bill. Um, so you got to go with them, but yeah, there's a lot of that give and take and back and forth and, what the customer's personality allows and what we still want to put our name on and what we know is best for them sometimes versus what they think they want. That's cool. One of the things that, that I admire about what you guys have done is you're able to bring in, you, you, you keep true to your brand, but you bring in these people that are, are so well known for being trendsetters and they want what you want. Right. And, and they want your brand they want, uh, your vision. And for me, one of the things we always say, always ready, right? And, and we have brands that we look at all the time. And when we start, when we get to work with them, even, even we got to work with you guys through Mechanics Wear, we've known you for so long outside, just looking in and watching the brand and watching when you really, really pursue greatness, the ability to open up opportunities to rub elbows or to meet the people that you've looked at for so long and then work with them, uh, it's, it's just a cool experience. So to kind of give some insight to those that listen to this, that are wanting to do great things and wanting to work with great people, can you give me an example of someone that you got to work with and you said, holy hell, man, how did I get to link up with them? Yeah. yeah we, I mean, we've got some cool ones, but I'd say that, like, if you go out with the mindset, like, that, oh, man, like, I'm going to fucking work with, like, Chip Foose. Like, me and him, me and Chip, I'm going to be so badass at building hot rods that I'm going to work with Chip Foose. I don't think that's a very good way to go into it. Um, but with that being said, like, I've always, like, looked up to Chip Foose. I mean, kind of idolized the guy and thought, I mean, obviously, he's, like, as good as it gets in our industry. And without going out there and being like, I'm going to be like Chip Foose. I want to work with Chip Foose. I'm going to do this. I'm going to keep getting better. I just concentrated on what I know how to do and kept getting better and better and better at what we do until one day Chip Foose calls to order a chassis. And I'm like, whoa, that's 
awesome, you know? And I get to look at the check that's signed by Chip Foose. I'm like, you know, to me, that's an accomplishment. That's, you know, super, super cool. And to like rub elbows with Chip afterwards at SEMA and him to give us some positive feedback and say, man, the car rode amazing. Hey, this worked awesome. Hey, you should try doing this on the next one. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was definitely something that I'll always remember. Piggyback off that, we've been, in a, again, a lucky position where we've never sat down and had, like, brand direction meetings or how we want to go or what's going to be beneficial for the brand in a specific way. It's just kind of organic and real, and this is how we do it. And it's really paid off dividends and, I don't know, good sense of accomplishment that we had the right vision and we put everything we had into it to build it this way because we wanted to be happy and all of our customers and, you know, other vendors and partners have recognized that and jumped onto it and kind of want to get a bit of that and want to partner with us as well. Yeah, that's good, man. I, I think, uh, the, the ability to do what you guys have done at such a high level and link up with guys like Foose, but also hit with guys like Rogan and guys that are actually, I mean, they're, 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 they define culture. They define culture and you guys are creating a piece of art that someone who defines culture is using. So just from an outside looking in, you guys are, are making impact on the world beyond just craftsmanship. And I think the other thing that it does is it promotes craftsmanship. I think right now with this COVID situation, we see it more and more. Everyone's like, what the hell? We've been sourcing what? We've been doing what? Nobody's sustainable. Nobody knows how to do anything. And you guys have been on another parallel doing these things and bringing it into culture more and more and breaking molds. So I don't know. Do you realize that? Have you, have you, have you realized that? Yeah, we don't, we never really stopped to smell the roses, you know? Yeah. I don't, that's always been, again, maybe that's like part of like our success. Like, you know, I, I don't watch myself on the TV shows I show up on. I don't right. really read the articles for the the cars that were featured in, you know, on the, on the cover of magazines. It's like, it's almost a little like humbling. And I just kind of like to just blow past it and keep doing my thing. So, yeah, we don't, we don't maybe quite understand, you know, the footprint we have or what we've done, but. There's always the potential for you to change what you're doing. If you listen to what somebody else says about you, or you look at what, how you appear, um, whether or how you sound, there's all your, it's subconsciously, you're always going to start tweaking things that you might not like the way you appeared. If you don't worry about that part, then you would never really change, you know, not saying you don't progress. You just don't, yeah. you don't change. You stay true to who you are. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, I think that, uh, I think, like I said, the world needs it. I think that you guys are inspiring, uh, people through your actions and, and just through, even like you said, the shiny world of Instagram. If that gets people in and wants to inspire people to get done, get things done with their hands and make things happen. And then you see things like this, the COVID it shuts people down and you guys still go and uh, it promotes sustainability. I think you're doing, you're living a life of purpose right there. Whatever can be done to propel the maker world and younger generation coming up to actually want to work with their hands. I remember, you know, when we were all younger, I mean, motorcycle mania and Jesse James, you know, promoting that culture. And it was just, there were people that didn't even know what those tools were, what he was making. It was just badass to them. And they wanted to go do that. So they sought out these tech schools. They wanted to learn how to TIG well. They wanted to learn shape metal. Um, 
you know, keeping that, I guess, you know, alive for the younger generation. And we all have kids and, you know, seeing what they're interested in and making sure that they, you know, it's not a bad thing to work with your hands or get dirty or, or learn a craft or a trade. We all can't be bank bankers. I'm not smart enough. Are you concerned? Or do you see your kids joining in? Do you see your kids following that footstep? I think at least my son will. My daughter, I don't think really shows any interest. At 16, it's tough to tell what a 16-year-old wants. Yeah, it's tough. Man, mine are so young right now, I can't really tell. But I'm, I'm, as long as they can take away that they can – I want when they're 18, 19, 20 – to, to have the world at their, wherever I am in life, I want them to pick up right there to know that they can go wherever they want. They don't necessarily need to be directing films, but if they want to take that to another level, as long as I can show them that path. Uh, but I don't know, man, I, I'm, it, there's a lot of distractions in the world right now. There might not even be a world, you know, when it comes time for, for my son and, and daughter to get out there in the workforce. Uh, they I might hope. not even ever drive They're, Most people are either Ubering or self-driving. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. My kid's a diehard. My son, he's nine years old. He's a diehard gearhead. I mean, he's he's my mini-me. So he's grown up in this. I mean, he he comes to the shop. He welds. He shapes sheet metal. He All he does at home is watch Roadster Shop YouTube videos. He knows every car, the horsepower, the motors. So he like, he's got a better grasp on the industry already at nine than I think a lot of guys do that have been in it for years and years. So he's got the bug. Yeah, we need that. We need to keep it alive. And and uh, what's what's next for you guys as technology evolves and and everything continues to grow and uh, you know you see more and more people phasing out of some aspects. I feel like your world's growing every day, right? Is are you seeing more people passionate about gas burning vehicles, or are you seeing people that are wanting to start to phase out? In the future, I, mean, I think with modern technology, I don't see any reason to think that we can't be building flying cars within the next year. <laughs> Is it? Are you going to phase it? Are you going to go electric ever? I we're not opposed to it. I mean, I use myself as a good gauge for like the industry and in which direction it's going. And five, six years ago, I'd have been like, "Oh, dude, electric car—that's no, that's not cool at all." Like, I'll I'll toast that thing with my you know big block, but. Now, like I dig them. It's the technology is pretty amazing. The power is unbelievable. And for us, it's, you know, I don't want to like make too many projections or, you know, tip my hand to what we're going to be doing, but it's kind of a natural progression for the product that we make to integrate that stuff. So we'll see. It's, it's certainly cool. I'm not an anti EV guy by any means. Nice. Business standpoint, always got to be evolving so, with trends and in industries and setting a lot of them ourselves. So, you know, kind of keep our eye on it, keep our finger on the pulse. And if that's where things go. I'm sure we can build a kick-ass electric car. None of us knew that we would be here just five years ago. So, I mean, there's no possible way to know where we're going to be in five years from now. Technology grows so fast. Dude, that'll be badass when you guys shift into it. But, uh, you know, the, the, w- I, I would, you know, I wanted to talk about those, but I also want to just hear about what's next. Right. And, and like you said, you don't, you're not having these big brand strategy meetings, like you were saying, but obviously you have growth plans, right? So can you kind of tell us how you approach those things and, and, uh, how you, uh, judge taking those kinds of risks as you do 
have a bunch of employees, a bunch of things that depend on you, a bunch of people looking at you every day. How do you, how do you approach those things and, and what's next for you? I think we approach them with, I mean, primarily gut and intuition. I mean, me and me and Phil and Josh, you know, when we sit down, people like sit, they'll want to know, like, okay, what are your projections for this? Or what, what kind of volume do you, what, what do you see the industry and looking at like this, this sector, of the industry, what do you think you could do? I think making projections and predictions, it's what good is it? It's a guess, you know, it's just a hypothesis. So what better way than to just let your heart and your gut lead? So when it comes to stuff like that, I mean, we're in this, you know, on the front line every day. And as something inspires us or we see a trend or think we can create a trend, then we pretty much dive in and go full speed ahead. Um, you know, currently the chassis, we've got a variety of chassis lines that are growing and growing and growing. So we're focusing on just adding you know, new applications, uh, different makes, different models, um, streamlining some processes. But uh, as far as big picture stuff goes, I mean, we're seeing some sizable growth and it's just continuing to add to the team, grow the facility, add technology, add some more machinery, add equipment. And just, uh, I guess, kind of we, we seem to be settling into a pretty good recipe right now to, to keep it rocking and rolling. That's great, man. Gentlemen. Think. I think a lot of our industry is trend driven and again, just being so involved and passionate about it. We know what a lot of those trends are and we can, I don't want to say predict what's next, but you know, you get a feel for what's rumbling, what's starting to come. Um, we build the frames and suspension that go underneath these cars. So it's really the foundation of it. So if we can kind of start and produce a foundation for what we think the next trend is going to be, um, it's a great way to get our foot in the door and kind of help start that trend. The other half of the business is building these high-end custom cars. So we get a lot of customers that look to us to build, you know, their dream car and build what's cool and what's next. So we're able to kind of capitalize on that both fronts and build what we think the next trend is going to be and build it to the level that we want it to kind of get it out there and help start the trend and help people see what can be done, you know, in that specific genre. Are you ready to go into the fray? The Ironclad team specializes in developing films, online series, and content for the world's greatest brands, organizations, and outlets. Now we're taking you to some of the most beautiful and most dangerous places on earth. Go behind the scenes with the world's most cutting edge filmmakers in Ironclad's new video series, Into the Fray. Each installment takes you on some of the world's most exotic locations to meet adventurers, inventors, warriors, and real life heroes who've dedicated themselves to forging new paths. We utilize some insane equipment and some insane storytelling tactics to make these things happen and ultimately bring you stories that haven't been told before. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram at This Is Ironclad to make sure that you never miss an episode. And remember, new installments drop every Friday afternoon. Adventure beckons. Will you come? We, we're going to shift a little bit here on this is this kind of a, a, a fast paced section here. And it's and it's like I said, we work with so many cool people. You guys are among the few. And uh we always want to take advice from people that has experienced so much and set so many trends. So uh, this is really dedicated to our listeners that want to perform at a high level. 
and want to execute at a high level and want to learn from the best. So uh, you guys can tag team this. This is not for one specific person, but there's a few questions here that I'll run into and just a speed round. Um, so what's the best advice you've ever received? That's a good, that's a, that's a good question. A slow start. To speak yeah. <laughs> We're not prepared. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll answer that one. I think that, uh, the best advice that I've ever gotten that I feel like I, I try to apply every day in most things I do is comes from my dad who always said, you know, ever since I was a little kid that it's positive mental thinking and a positive attitude that if, if I woke up and I was being a shithead, even at like eight years old, which you know, I did a lot, which I did. Yeah. He, <laughs> he let me know. And like in the future that applies to like every day because it's, it's contagious and like you can't, you deal with a tremendous amount of stress when you have 70 employees and a customer list a mile long. But if you, if you let that reflect in your mood and your attitude, that bleeds off on your entire staff that regardless of what's going on, if, you know, in your personal life or in work life, you've got to always have just project positivity because it's contagious. And if you want to be a leader, I think that's absolutely key. That's a good one, man. Little snippet of advice. No, that's a good one. So, so I'm going to play on that a little bit for my follow up, and uh, I'm going to take it. You learned that one from when you were really young. So, this one's if you could go back 20 years and tell yourself something with all your life experience, what would it be? Don't run with scissors. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'd say one that I learned um, is probably don't be afraid to fail and go for it if it's something you believe in. Um, and then if you do fail, analyze it, figure out why you failed and how to come back and make it better the next time. I think being a, an entrepreneur in general, that's, you know, they always say uh, you miss 100% of the shots you never take, but it never really resonated. Um I think all the best lessons that, that we've learned have usually been from a failure and figuring out why we failed and how we're going to make it better. So that doesn't happen again. That's good, man. All right. So, uh, what's one thing a person should do every day? Keep, keep moving. You don't, you don't have time to analyze every little decision. It might be the wrong decision. I mean, to Phil's point, um, but at least you're moving. Um, it, just, just stay moving. It's stagnant is you're going to get run over. Um, make a decision. Make a decision quick. You're going to learn faster. Um, you're going to learn. You know, if you went the wrong direction, just, just keep moving. Yeah, that's good. Uh, one of our buddies, Dom Rosso, he says uh, he always quotes Patton on that one. Uh, a good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan executed tomorrow. Yeah. Something yeah. along those lines. I think it's that one. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Uh, What's an attribute every leader should seek to foster in themselves? Yeah, I mean, we kind of touched on that the first go around. I mean, I think positivity is contagious. Um, if you want to be, you know, you want to be a leader. I mean, it's, uh, I think, one, I mean, just to give you an example of my leadership style in team building is to, you know, I, I try to approach adversity like as a team. And rather, if you're up against something, if somebody made a mistake, you don't want to jump down their throat. I don't believe that that does any good. 
that bringing guys together and overcoming hurdles as a team, it just continues to build the team environment. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't need to rub their nose in it. I mean, like a dog, show them where the door's in. It's not about the, the, the problem and who did it. It's about the solution. Figure out the solution together. Yeah, no, that's good. How do you guys, because you have such a high standard – and we, we run across this too. You have such a high standard for your product and for the way you conduct yourself. How do you deal with those situations when there are those, those issues, right? Like whether it's a mistake or whether it's something that's continuing to happen, how are you, how are you guys empowering the team or making those changes or correcting those courses? Physical altercations usually gets it done. Yeah. Yeah. That's, those are the best ones. <laughs> Uh, man, I think for us, it's like we kind of have the mentality that we're going to we're going to get it right, regardless of the cost. So, you know, again, maybe not like the best uh, business decision, but, you know, if something's not right, we don't always look at it from, you know, what's the profit and loss? What, you know, how are we going to you know, be in the red on this if we go backwards? I'd rather, you know eat it, lose the money on that job and make it right. You know, everybody's going to run into a situation where something gets screwed up, something doesn't go wrong. But if you kick it out the door and make excuses, that could come back to forever haunt you. If you just don't accept, you know, never accept anything but the highest level of quality at any expense. And it's in the long run, I think that it pays off. You might have to, you know, eat it here and there, but five, 10 years down the road, it's going to, it's going to work out in your favor. I love that one. I love it. Um, okay. And this one is, is good because when you're driven on passion, like many of you are, uh, and, and I'm sure many of your team is, uh, it's easy to just kind of go with where your mind takes you on some things, but discipline is such a, a pivotal thing when it comes to, uh, becoming successful when pursuing your passion. So, uh, what is the best practice to stay disciplined while you're in pursuit of your passion? They really just kind of being able to take a step back and look at the big picture and be objective. That is this a decision based on just passion, or is it still have the end goal in mind? Are we still going in the the overall direction that the project, the business, the, the brand needs to go, um, not get tunnel vision, basically. That's good. All right. So I got two more. This one is, uh, you know, we had a lot of long, young listeners to this. And, and, and like I said, a lot of them are creatives or entrepreneurs, craftsmen. Um, a lot of these guys get in their own head, right? And they don't know where to start, but they want to make an impact. They want to pursue greatness, what would you tell a young listener that doesn't know where to start that wants to make an impact on the world? Just get started. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just make something. Yeah. Get, you know, again, going back, like going back to things I've heard and advice I've gotten in the past is I can remember being told just do something, even if it's not right, which is just like what Phil, you got to just get started. You have to just physically do it. And, if you have the talent and you have the drive, getting started is typically the most difficult part. Because if you're in your head and you're overthinking it and 
oh man, I want to do this. I want to do that. And trying to like plan out this long, you know, future goal. It's never going to happen. You have to pick up the tools and cut a piece of wood, bend some metal, weld something together, write something down on paper, physically do something and get the wheels moving and stick with it. When you're on the road as much as us and you are in every scenario under the sun from freezing cold conditions to uber hot conditions in Death Valley, you want batteries that will perform for you. For us, it's core. It's the only option. And they have a new battery out called the Hypercore Neo. I'm going to have to read the bullet points on this thing because it's so crazy. But I promise you, we've used it in the field and it's transformed the game. It's less battery swap outs, more durable, more options than ever before. So it's TSA PreCheck, it's RFID, it's rubberized. It's got a USB so you can charge your phone, you can plug in accessories, you can do anything from there. It's got hibernation mode on it. It's a high current delivery, which is a new feature. And ultimately, it communicates with the camera. This battery is insane. Core has always taken care of us. We're ironclad and we're core driven. So this one is my favorite question to ask, and, and I hate it because there's three of you guys, so I might have to ask all three of you to answer it. But this is something that... Um, I always pop it on people, but it's, it truly is my favorite part of this because I always try to implement one every week. So, uh, if I had to ask you, um, to prescribe a challenge, uh, for the next week to listeners that are to start right now, that would dramatically make an impact on them. What would that challenge be? Get up before five 30 every morning. I don't know that that one necessarily needs to be done. <laughs> <laughs> what does that do? What is what is getting up at five thirty do? You you, you feel superior just by getting up before sixty to seventy percent of the population. I was told as a young age you got to get up in the morning to get up in the world. Um, so you just got to get moving. It goes into you know everything else that we've been talking about. Um, get up. I mean, you're, you're sleeping is you know for nighttime when the sun's up. Get up. Good one. I don't know. Um, all I think that guys need to do is get yourself into a, into a routine. I mean, a little bit like what Josh said, if I found, you know, at one point I kind of found myself like a little bit like getting down in the dumps. And I found that just, just like that, get your ass out of bed, get to the gym every single morning and get in a routine, you know, regardless if you're like a pro bodybuilder or you're, you know, just trying to get in a routine, just, Get to the gym, start your day off, energize yourself, and just put an honest day's work in every day. Don't make excuses why I'm going to duck out early. Get in, put in a 10-hour day every day of the week, and get in a routine. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. I'm going to go with uh, kind of touch on one of your other questions from earlier and more of a find something that you have a gut decision on and go with it and do it instead of overanalyzing or we've been joking the uh, term perfection paralysis yeah. always yeah. comes in that you don't want to do anything because you need to have it perfect. Um, get started on it, get moving with something that you're passionate about and believe in and refine it as you go. That's good, man. We call it paralysis by analysis over here too. It's it, everybody has it, man. It's so easy to fall into it. And I agree with the mental edge you get with when you start implementing these things. It is, it is a different, when you walk into a room and you have that mental edge, it does, it allows you to perform at a higher level. Yeah. 
It really does. Well, hey guys, listen, that was it, man. That was it. I, you know, I really appreciate your time. I know you guys are slammed. I know you guys are making up for for lost time too, and and there's no shortage of work to be done. So I really appreciate the time you put in and 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 the uh, the words of wisdom you've given us. Hey, we, whatever we can do to help, man. Help someone. Got to yeah. inspire the youth of today because it's not it's not looking real good right now. So. It's not Let's good, man. Everybody's got to get out there and build some stuff and chase those dreams. Make something they, happen. They've got to get it. And that's what, for us, we, you know, we, we, we call it defending freedom through content, but because we have to break these chains, these, the, the people are, people are mentally bound, spiritually bound, physically bound. They're not taking care of themselves. They're putting crap in crap out. Yep. It's, it's tough, man. But you guys are doing it. I, I want you to know that, like I said, I know you, you know, the impact that you make, but you are, uh, making an impact on people that are defining culture. So it's a big deal. It's a big That's deal even beyond your industry. And uh, like I said, uh, people are going to hear this. And, and if it gets a couple people out of bed and, and starting to pursue things, then, hey, that's success. Absolutely. And yeah, well, we appreciate your time, man. It was a good chat with you. Yeah, you too. Next time we're out there, we'll stop by. Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right, guys. Thanks. All right. Later, man. Bye-bye. What a trio. What a trio. The boys from the Roadster Shop, thank you so much. What words of advice. Listen, it's time to take action. Get out there, bend some metal, cut some two by fours, write something down, make it happen. Make sure you follow the Roadster Shop at Roadster Shop on Instagram. And as always, follow us at This Is Ironclad on Instagram and on YouTube, youtube.com slash This Is Ironclad. Until next time. <laughs>